Hey, everybody. Welcome to BeautyCast Network's Mastering Beauty, a podcast for beauty, barbering, and wellness professionals looking for successful, sustainable, and satisfying careers. Tune in every Sunday to hear conversations with brilliant professionals from across the industry offering their best advice on a variety of topics. I'm Gordon Miller, CEO of BeautyCast Network and your podcast host. And today, I am most happy to welcome to the podcast the Senior Director of Creative and Technical Education at Floyd's 99 Barbershop, Patrick Butler, a former longtime American Crew International Educator. Patrick today oversees the Floyd's 99 Education Team, responsible for educating their really big staff across the entire country on cutting, grooming, and management. He's a dad for four kids, and he's got a new puppy. He's based in Omaha, Nebraska, a 30-year veteran. I am most excited to welcome to the podcast Patrick Butler. Hello, Gordon. Thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate this. I, I, I'm excited to have you on. We, we kind of met in person for the first time in Las Vegas not too long ago this summer. And that was a, a, a great moment because we, we got to sit and, and catch up. And uh, I, I always love the opportunity to do that. And I love the work you're doing. And, and you do have a pretty amazing career, uh, many years with American Crew uh, before jumping into the Floyd's mix. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to talk with you. Well, I'm thrilled, Gordon. I'm a huge fan of what you've been doing. And I, I look to you and your podcast so much. And I've shared it so often with people just to get the, uh, help them get a sense of what's happening in the industry. So I appreciate this opportunity so much. Thank you. And, and before we get started, you know, I you have a podcast. Um, I want to encourage you to do it more often because I love listening to it. Your last one was, the, was with the founders of Floyd's. And I want to say, and I'll, I'll let you plug it for a moment because it was such a great episode. I, I've been a guest on that podcast. So go look, look for mine, but tell people what the, the name of the podcast and where they can find it because that founders episode for anybody who wants to learn more about Floyd's, I just thought it was brilliant. No, thank you. The, it's a Floyd's Nation podcast. You can find it on Spotify, Apple, all your podcast sources, but um, it's an opportunity for us to talk about what's happening at Floyd's, help people understand where we came from, what we're all about. And that founders episode was really meant to help people understand our history mm-hmm. and where we're headed right now as a company. So um, yes, and I, I'm going to take your advice and we're going to get to go in and ramp that up. I, I, I think it's good because it's such great content and it's a really unique company. And I live not too far from the Floyd's. And I have to say, um, with all honesty, actually, I remember when I went to my first Floyd's in Wicker Park in Chicago, some, God, it was at least 10 years ago, if not more. And I was like, how freaking cool is this place? And now I walk by Floyd's regularly because it's in the hood here for me. And um, every time I go by, I'm just like, this is so freaking cool. They've got such a great vibe and so much energy inside of this building. I, I just can't help but smile every time I walk by. No, we love that. I mean, that's our concept. We want to have fun. And and I think that, you know, this business, we always talk about having fun in this industry because it is, it truly is based in that. But Floyd's pushes that a little bit further and we love that atmosphere. Well, I want to start with the, the first question we ask everybody, which is, and, and this whole podcast is about best advice, I think from beginning to end in many ways, but start with a, a question about the best advice that anybody has ever given you. You've had this long career. I'm sure you've gotten lots of advice over the years, but, but for our audience, anything that stands out as a, as a piece of advice to share? Absolutely. I'll, well, I guess I'll start that piece of advice by sharing um, where it came from. Um, as I got out of school, I went into a salon and um, I didn't take advice in school. I did not interview in multiple salons or barbershops, and I took the first opportunity I had. And by the way, it was a good one. It was a very busy salon, um, 10 chair. And I got in, and after my first year, I was failing. And by all accounts, if you took a scorecard and, and looked at my career at that point and looked at the stats, 
I was failing. I was working a part-time job at night to help me pay my bills. And I talked to a good friend who helped me get into the industry. And I said, you know what? I don't know if this is for me. Maybe I need to get out. And I had that mindset and she looked at me and she said, you're, you're absolutely crazy. Um, and I'm gonna tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear, because we're, what you want to hear right now is, uh, you know, advice that justifies your position about failing. And she said, what you need to hear is this, you need to start taking from those around you. And I said, what does that mean? And she said, I am sure if you look around the salon right now, there are people who cut hair better than you color hair, better than you style, uh, some more retail speak to their clients and get referrals stronger than you do. I said, yes to all that. And that's why I'm so down in the dumps right now. I'm, I'm getting out because I can't do that. And that was my mindset. She said, I hope, I hope you walk into the salon tomorrow with a notebook in your hand and start asking questions and figuring out what they do so well and take the, each one of them and start making it your own. The sooner you do it, the better you're going to be. And she said, I'm going to give you a month and we're going to check in in a month. And sure enough, I did that. I walked back into the salon. I took that advice. I started asking questions, but then I started figuring out what was one piece that I could take and make my own that day, that moment, and so on and so forth. And each day I took one more piece of advice and I integrated it into what I was doing behind the chair. And that's what helped me. And sure enough, after the second year, I doubled my income. By the third year, my clientele had started building. I'd been taking more classes and all stemmed from me literally failing or thinking I was failing and getting ready to get out and becoming a statistic in our industry rather than a success. Wow. And how, you know, gosh, ooh, I could talk for the next 30 minutes just about this one little thing, which, which we're not going to do. But first off, I have to say to anybody who's listening, if, I hope you know how to hit the rewind button. It's that little thing at the bottom of your podcast thing. It usually says go back 30 seconds or 10 seconds. Hit it a few times and go listen to that one more time because that was brilliant. And it's just, it's, you're an example you know, that, I, that I've seen over and over again in the industry, but, but not enough of them. So many people do become statistics. And, you know, there's so much to learn. We, we, when we talk to the rest of the world about the craft, right, we talk about, you know, how important it is to learn it, how important, um, how, how difficult it is to learn it. But then in our own kind of lanes, I think we often just forget it. And we're like, okay, well, I don't feel like I can make it. I, I, I'm not good enough yet. And, and I'm done rather than wait, it is hard. I do, I do have to learn, continue to learn, never stop learning um, and surround myself with great people. And you were so lucky to have that person around you. Absolutely. That mentor. And, you know, as I look and reflect back on 30 years in this industry, we all need mentors or coaches in some capacity. And sometimes we find them in uh, places that we don't suspect. And it could be one conversation or it could be multiple. Either way, that mentor, that that mentorship is so crucial. And that piece of coaching advice saved my career. Wow. And, you know, that just the idea of of being in a salon where you are around people, I, I love that she pointed out to you that, you know, that she bet those people were all better than you. And as a young person, or, or regardless of age, you know, if you're, you're in a situation where everybody is better than you, how lucky are you if you recognize the opportunity that being around those people brings to you? Absolutely. I mean, listen, this, this industry is so absolutely amazing in the sense that you can do so many things behind the chair. However, when you think about that, that concept, it can be overwhelming. How do I learn so much about color? How do I learn so much about haircutting or styling or even just the product messaging that I have to have? 
it can be overwhelming, but when you start to break it down and really look at those around you who are successful, you can find that pathway, those little steps. And I call them little victories, quite honestly, because I want I want to win a big battle, which is to be the master of my craft and to really hone in on on what I'm doing and and really own that. But to do that, you have to take that first step. And those little victories that she showed me how to win, those were key because then I didn't have to win everything at once. It was a little step at a time. And after that, I took on the next uh, portion. And after that, I took on the next. And suddenly I started to gain momentum. And that's what I've seen so many other people do when they open themselves up to understanding how a little victory can win the big battle. I love that. I'm, I'm such a believer when, when in talking about success, you know, a lot of people will, will ask, you know, it's just like, what does it take? You know, how do you get there? My answer, which is very much connected to yours with, with different words is baby steps. It is all about the baby steps. Life is about the baby steps. And, and I think when you, when you think of it that way, you know, wherever that next baby step took you, you know, the good, you know, the bad, the ugly, um, because it is a baby step, it's easier to course correct. <laughs> and I'm a big believer in course corrections. It's the truth. I mean, listen, especially when we're talking about a craft, you don't affect a craft in one class or one haircut or one color at a time. You do it by the repetition and and building through the experience and the failures that you have. And in doing so, you will find that pathway and the confidence that you need to succeed. But those little victories, those baby steps, as you said, truly are multiple baby steps, not just one. So I want to talk about education because that's your passion and that's something you've just been involved in for such a long time at such a high level and building out what you just said. Um, I also want to talk about um, <laughs> baby videos is what I'll call them, <laughs> which is we live in this world and, 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 and nobody say, okay, boomer, because I am an older guy, but I, I really do feel I, I work hard to stay in touch kind of with everybody. And, and most importantly, what's happening right now in our world. And, you know, at any point in time, there's always, you know, again, good, bad, and, and whatever, and all of it. We're kind of in this era where, I don't know, where our attention spans are less, perhaps, we're kind of being, I think, told that we can learn things in a minute, um, watch a minute video. And I'm always kind of like, well, that's more inspirational than educational. And so let's talk about that for a moment, because I think, you know, sometimes we just get caught in the, I'm not against one minute videos, but I think there's a lot more in the world and we should never like limit ourselves to any one kind of lane. How do you, how do you think of something being educational and, and, and how should our listeners think about that? Well, obviously, we have, we're inundated with new platforms all the time. And whether you're utilizing TikTok or Instagram Reels or YouTube, the short form video has become the standard for us. And we're, we're, at, we're patterned now into believing we scroll through, click through, and we've, we've got all of about 10 seconds to make a decision on whether we're going to watch a video. And to me, if, that, if I'm looking to education, especially in our industry, I think that's a little dangerous only from the standpoint of I need to understand more. And so I look at the short form video, hopefully as a springboard for those who are listening to get to a long form video. And here's all I mean by that. A short form video can be great to understand a topic, just a, a, a technique or a portion of it. But I hope that you sprint yourself over to a long form video to understand the why behind it and the how behind it, because there's a lot of thought process that went into that technique and understanding the why the cause and effect with your actions on that technique are so crucial. And I don't know that you can always gain that from a 30 second or one minute video, whereas a three minute video, a five minute video or even longer 
can certainly explain a lot more context to you and help you understand that. However, I, I, I totally get that's where we're at right now as a society. We're in a short form, short attention span theater, as I call it, um, click through society. But I hope people can slow their roll, slow down a little bit and understand and dig in a little bit more and find out where did that come from? What's the why behind it? Because if I can understand that, I can certainly apply it rather than just trying to copy what I saw in 30 seconds. Yeah. And I think, you know, we, we live in a world where there's, there's so much information coming in our way and a lot of it's not quite correct. And we don't always have the ability to discern that because, you know, we don't have all the information, you know, there's this like um, meme kind of idea that's been going around for a few years now that our attention span is that, that of a goldfish um, that has been debunked more times than I can, can say um, it's something that just kind of got thrown out as a meme. And we're all like, Oh, we, we have the attention span of a goldfish. Um, let me just say, you can, you can do some research yourself, but not true. And, and we all have different attention spans. So I, I don't think we should just listen to all this stuff and go, Oh, well, we all have short attention spans. Therefore I shouldn't watch anything that's more than, you know, seven seconds, but also what if someone came in your salon and taught you a one minute class? <laughs> like what, what, how many, how many of you listeners would go, okay, that was good. We learned something today. Let's, let's, let's give that person their fee and, and, and applaud and, and go back to our lives. I, I think we get that, that it takes more. And so we should kind of take that thinking and apply it to those one minute videos that, by the way, I love so many of them, but they are inspiration. They are things that hopefully make me want to go do more, something else, go take, get a longer uh, video, go to an online platform and get real education. Um, Again, not knocking it, just saying, is it really what you think it is? No, absolutely. I mean, you know, I was in a training this week, I was conducting a training with a group of uh, employees this week. And it really, this leads to this conversation, um, because I had someone in the class who said, Hey, I watched the video that you did on this particular technique. And in this particular situation in the class, we were working on that. This was a train the trainer class. And so as we got to that portion, she pulled me aside and it was, it was a great conversation because she, what she didn't want to do is she didn't want to show her hand. She didn't want to show that she didn't understand something, you know, and we, we've got that pride. We've got that, that we don't want to um, look like we're failing. And she said, I saw the video, but this is what I didn't understand. And I said, well, let's walk through this real quick. And, and as we did, she goes, okay, that makes sense now. And this really leads back to what we're talking about here. She saw the short form video, the one minute video, so to speak. She couldn't ask a question. She couldn't get clarity on the situation until she saw me, until she, we were in that moment. And I really, really encourage everyone to do that. This is why I'm encouraging, take the short form inspiration and springboard yourself into a long form video or a conversation in a classroom. And then really, really importantly, regardless of what you're looking at what you're involved in educationally when all is said and done the end of that video that you're watching on your phone at home by yourself the end of that class that you went and took somewhere the the end of that demo that had 200 people sitting there and nobody could ask ask a question you got to find a way to kind of sort out for yourself did you learn something because i can tell you i've watched lots of classes that are hour hour and a half and i look around the room and go you know i let's pretend we're at a big beauty show. Um, you know, a third of the audience was kind of resting and sleeping because <laughs> they had been on the show floor all day. They didn't learn anything. And then there's everything in between, including that person who maybe had the perfect seat and could see everything and even get the attention of the instructor a little bit. Maybe they learned something, but we, we kind of need to self-evaluate and go, did I learn something? 
or did I get inspired or do I have questions like your person did? I, that, that's huge. It is. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've had the opportunity, thankfully, to, yes, be in some of those situations where we're on stage in a, a large theater or ballroom. And it's fantastic. And now we have cameras where they try to um, show you exactly what's happening on stage and amplify that work so you can see it. However, the best conversations I've had after I've walked off stage are, for, are the people that walked up to me afterwards and said, hey, I saw that, but I just didn't understand this. And I'm sitting halfway through the theater or deeper. And those conversations mean more to me than anything, because in that moment, I can have an opportunity to clarify and potentially help them. And that means everything. And so I, I look at that and I just encourage everyone, you know, go take that class if you have the opportunity, but ask the question. Yes, 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 yes. And it's, um, yeah, again, I think it's, it's, it's beyond critical that, and, and most of us, I don't think we're not really good at knowing whether we learned or not. And I'll use myself as an example. You know, during pandemic, I decided I was going to become a, a, a at-home quasi-master chef. <laughs> so I, I cooked a lot. And my favorite recipe is this lemon chicken capellini pasta thing. And I've been trying to perfect my version of it for a year. And finally, my partner was like, oh, my God, it's delicious. He didn't say finally, but <laughs> I think it was like, you've been cooking this for a year. You finally nailed it. And I had this moment myself where I was like, oh my gosh, I've learned it. Like, I've learned it. Like, it, and it, it, it took someone else telling me where it was. I mean, I knew it wasn't quite up to par, but it was that validation from someone who knows how to eat really well, which he does. <laughs> so, but, you know, you can apply that to anything, right? You, you can, you can. And, you know, I, I learned a, I took a piece of advice really early in my career. Um, I was, I was, I, oh, I was fortunate to, uh, I competed in the Naha competition yeah, as, yeah. A, as a student. Wow. And um, I was able to make the finals in the student category. That's a big deal. And I go to New Orleans and um, I'm just getting out of school, by the way. And here are all these uh, heroes in the industry that I've read about in American Salon, Modern Salon. Mm -hmm. I could only I could only see and read their, about their work in magazines. I'm dating myself. And um, I walked up after the award show. I walked up and I had the chance to pass Irvin Rusk. And oh, I knew Irvin. Wow. I, I, I had admired Irvin's uh, work so much in the magazines and seen videos that he had done. And so I walked up to him. I said, hey, I'm getting out of school right now, actually. And I said, I'd like to know a piece of advice. Do you have something that, that can help me with my career? And Irvin, obviously, is a very candid man. <laughs> he said, had a great accent, this... by the way. Can you do his accent? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I don't know if I could duplicate that Scottish <laughs> accent, but... Um, he said, look around this ballroom. And I did. And I was waiting for this big, you know, profound piece of advice. And in a way he did, but here's how he delivered. He said, look at this room. He says, what do you see? And I said, I said, I see all these uh, famous um, hairdressers, the, the people that inspire me and have shown me the work that I want to be able to do as I grow into my career. And <laughs> his advice, he said, okay, take a look. I said, I do. I see it. And he said, that's a load of shit. And I said, uh, excuse me, here I am intimidated by Irvin Rusk. He said, he goes, don't fall into that trap. You don't have to look and, and try to emulate what they're doing right now. Just do good, clean work and do as much of it as you can over and over and over again. And if you fail, ask for help. And, and 
and I look, he looked at me, he smiled, <laughs> he walked off and I walked away and I've thought about his comment literally throughout my entire career. And, and so I think about you making that dish, Gordon, and I say, do it over and over and over again. And, and that's how I've approached career two based on that piece of advice. That, that is such great advice. And a couple of things come to mind. Well, first of all, for those who don't know Irvin Rusk, um, he is kind of recognized as developing the texturizing share. He was the guy who put the first ones out there. And I remember so clearly when it happened and so many hairdressers were like, what? <laughs> like, no, that's not a good idea. And, and now, of course, it's, a, it's an absolute standard in the industry and has been done. There's been so many different versions of it, but really considered a, a genius, uh, creative. So I'm going to go back to Floyd's for a moment because, again, I, as I said, I, I do that walk by often. And, you know, uh, for me coming to BeautyCast, you know, one of the, the, the big shifts was really having a strong connection to the, the corporate salons, the chain salons world. And I've always been kind of connected to everybody. And in a post-pandemic world, I before coming to BeautyCast, one of the things that I really kind of doubled down in my mind about was was the shrinking education in the professional industry, how we've seen coming out of pandemic, you know, so many changes moving to digital brands, cutting back distributors, cutting back traditional salons, cutting back, you know, some of the best salons in the country, cutting back, just making changes to, because of economics. And so I've seen this huge, you know, um, kind of um, reduction in education across the entire industry with one really big exception. And that's what excites me about my work today. And that's, corporate and chain salons. That is where I've seen an expansion of education coming out of pandemic. And anybody who's young that I run into who asks for advice, I'm like, you know, if you're early in your career or you're looking for stability in your career, but most importantly, an opportunity to grow, it's the corporate salons that are giving you the support that you need. And I, I just can't say that strong enough. It doesn't mean you don't end up somewhere else later in your career. Um, again, there's so many opportunities, but what you all are doing, you know, as Floyd's, but in the category, it's really important. Well, I, I feel it's upon our shoulders right now um, to take that on. And and if you look at the industry right now, you know, there's a couple of things that we've all faced. There, there are fewer graduates coming out right now, and they don't have as many opportunities, to your point, to gain advanced education post-graduation. And so that creates a huge challenge for that individual coming out of school. And so we look at it as more of an opportunity, but what are we do, uh, you know, to take that opportunity to help that individual start their career and grow and grow their skill set along the way. And so we've taken on that challenge um, and embrace it, quite frankly, because we know that with the industry turn and if people are truly getting out of the industry uh, faster, unfortunately, mm -hmm. we have to take advantage of that within that first year that they're getting out of school. How yes. can we help you? How can we build your skill set? And so We've worked on a system that really helps to identify um, where you're at, what skill level you're at right now, meet you where you're at, and then grow you, and then help you understand the skills you need behind the chair. And at Floyd's, obviously, we've got barbershop on the door, but here's the, the key that people don't understand. We employ far more cosmetologists than we do barbers. Um, and in saying that, I know one thing. We focus heavily on short hair, and that's a huge intimidating factor for people getting out of school yes. because uh, three-fourths of the industry is scared of short hair. Yep. And um, if that's the case, how can we take that on as a company and help you develop those skills? Because if you can take those on and, and, and develop them, you can adapt so well to any situation. And so 
I kind of I'll end that by saying, you know, we've looked at it more as an opportunity, Gordon, to embrace the challenge in limited advanced education that's out there and worked on developing a system that can guide people through, build their skill sets along the way. And it's interesting when they do that. Here's what we've seen. We've seen stronger retention in, in our in our own workplace, but also in the industry. Once you gain that confidence past year one into year two and year three, you are suddenly off and running. And that's really what it takes now. How can you get that information and get that education to, to develop that confidence? And once you do, you are on a pathway to great success, but you've got to start somewhere. And that's why we feel so strongly about it. Yeah. And again, back to self-awareness, kind of knowing where you're at. I mean, the average person coming out of school throughout my entire career, you know, only knew what they knew, which was the beginning of, of what it takes to become successful. That, that, it was true of me having a four-year college experience in, in finance. You know, I didn't know a whole lot at the end of four years. That's the nature of, you know, um, post-secondary education. You, you get the basics and now it's up to you to figure out how to get the rest of it. And I think it starts with being you know, really, you know, with that right organization to get your career started. So you have a chance of making it through the difficult first three or three to five years, because it is difficult. I also want to say, though, anybody's listening, doing short hair well, being able to cut and, and, and style short hair, period, is a game changer for so many people, because if you can do that, you can do anything. And so many of us, I think today, we're good at the long layers, but as fashion changes, that's going to bring all kinds of challenges because it, it swings back and forth. And, and the gold standard, I think, in, in learning about cutting hair, period, is, is the short hair is the game-changing moment for everything. It's huge. And you're exactly right. If you can round your skill set out by incorporating short hair um, skills and techniques into your repertoire, you are going to round yourself out in a big way and open yourself up to a lot more clientele that you didn't have access to before. Yep. And you know, I've long said this, you know, one of the biggest weaknesses in salons in America is doing men's hair, you know, and, and, and that really means short hair, you know, it, it, it yeah. really yeah. boils down to it. it and it, it has always been a challenge, but when the barber thing took off, oh my gosh, how many salons lost male clients to barbershops when, you know, back five, six, seven years ago, when we were kind of at the peak of the barber movement, because a lot of men were like, yeah, I go to a salon, but I'm not that happy with the work sometimes. And I'm talking just across the entire industry. You guys, you know, have always done great work because you live in that space so well. But I think everybody listening should understand that clients are always just looking for that next opportunity to do things a little differently. And I think, you know, when the male thing, male hair took off big time during the barber movement, it, it was a warning sign, I think, to the entire salon industry we had work to do. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. It, it is just fundamental and it's, it's huge. And that shift now has been embraced across the industry, but there are people that need those skills in a big way. Yeah, there's no doubt. Well, another thing I wanted to talk about, I was looking at you guys' Instagram, you know, Floyd said, you have a, a I think, a, just a gorgeous Instagram page, by the way. I'm, I'm going to give that compliment. I don't give those compliments out lightly because social is <laughs> my thing. And it really does look great. I was talking to our director of social, Courtney Bright, yesterday about this, this very topic. We're working on a, a series of stories. And one thing I, I notice is you guys are involved in a lot of, you know, community service kind of give back programs. And I, I always love seeing that, you know. And so... Just share that for a moment, because I know that's important to, to you as an organization. It was just so noticeable, I have to call it out. No, thanks for noticing that. It's, it's, it means so much to us as a company. Um, we feel that we have to give back to the community um, wherever we are. And we've done that on a localized level, a regional level, whether it be um, coat drives or a specific organization that one of our employees in that market feels strongly about. 
And then on, on a large scale level, we've embraced um, supporting JDRF. And um, that hit home with one of the owners as his daughter was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. And as they learn more about the disease, they ask themselves, how can we get involved individually but then how can we get involved as a business? And since then, we've been able to do that. And as a company now, we, for the last 11 years, we've uh, supported JDRF fundraising efforts. And we're proud because we've uh, broached the $2 million mark in donations from our clients as well as our staff. And um, it's just something we're very proud to do because we want to be able to give back in certain ways. And we found that that touches a lot of people. Unfortunately, a lot of people understand that they've got people in their lives that are affected by type 1 diabetes. But then, as I said, we've taken that even further. How can we also help on a localized level? And so we're really proud to take that on because, again, we're members in the community with our, our shops. Um, and we want to be proud members that give back. And so I've really admired that about the ownership group at Floyd's. They've always embraced that thought process. How can we give back and what are our philanthropic efforts that we can get behind to do so? And we take that on with pride. I so love that. I have a personal connection to it. I, I don't talk about it that much. I'll mention it on my other podcast from time to time, but I am a type one diabetic. I've been a type one diabetic for over 40 years. And I'm obsessed with it. I'm ridiculously healthy, I'll, I'll say, but in large measure because of resources, you know, um, like the juvenile diabetes, I can't remember the whole acronym, but the, the, the foundation, I mean, a lot of people don't realize that juvenile diabetes and type 1 diabetes are the same. And juvenile is kind of an, an older term, but it does confuse people. And it's a... Uh, it's uh, diabetes is, is rampant in America, type two partic in particular, but, but type one is, is in many ways the more insidious of the two because we, we can get it at such a young age. And um, so kudos to, you know, to Floyd's for doing all that good work and, and others. Again, I have a little personal interest in it. So thank you. Absolutely. No, we feel strongly about it and we're going to keep going. And um, our goal is just to grow awareness around it and support for it. Love it. And um, I'm going to ask you my last question, which is really, and you've just given us so much advice, Patrick, I love it. Um, but but um, last bit of advice, and this is more from you and on any topic you want to take, but, but really about helping people understand how to have a, a great, long, and again, sustainable, satisfying career. Any words of wisdom to share? Yeah. You know, the, the, the thing that I was given and that I embrace and I continue to lean into in any situation is, and, I, and here's the way I'll uh, position it. What is the one thing that I can walk out of this room with? What is the one thing that I can walk out of this class with? What is the one thing I can walk out of this meeting with? What is the one thing that I can walk away from this video with that I can apply today? And I challenge people to, to think that way in this, this sense. You're going to go to a class or you're going to watch something online and it can be overwhelming. How do I incorporate all of that? But what is the one thing that you can actually take ownership of yourself, make your own and apply behind the chair today? And the reason I say today, and I keep reinforcing that is the further you get away from anything that you learn, there's a learning, there's a, there's a forgetting curve, a learning curve, forgetting curve that people don't understand. The further we get away from anything that we've learned, we're going to put it on a shelf and we're not going to apply it. And so I challenge people and I do this to myself, uh, Gordon, if I'm in a meeting, what's the one thing I can take away that I need to apply right now that can better our situation and help? What's the one thing I can help someone with in a class that they can walk away with and apply today behind the chair that they can take ownership of? And if I go back to the story about me almost failing, 
That's exactly what my mentor said. What is the one thing you can take from those around you that you can make your own in your own voice and apply and learn and master over time that you can own? What is that one thing that you can do? And that bit of advice has truly served me well throughout my career. And I know that I've challenged my educators to approach it from that mindset as well. And the students in our classrooms, what is that one thing you're going to walk with today and apply? Because I'm going to challenge you to do it as soon as possible. Because if you do, you're suddenly opening yourself up and you're learning, you're growing, and suddenly you're expanding what you can offer to others. And that one thing can make a huge difference. Oh, that's that's so huge. And, and, and I want to add to that, you know, because when we do learn things, you're so right. Like if we don't use it, you know, we're going to lose it. And, and, you know, sometimes that's just information in our head. You know, we want to make sure that we just didn't memorize it, but we know it and we can internalize it and, and use it in connection to other things that we know. But, you know, we're a technical industry foundationally. Like that's, you know, that's such, you know, that's the majority of what happens. That's what we do. That's what we do for our clients. You know, we take care of them and we do this technical work. Muscle memory, you know, talk about remembering something, but for our muscles to remember and able to be able to actually achieve the level of, of, of proficiency that you want to prove, that takes not only getting to work immediately and kind of using quickly what you learn to make sure you don't forget it, but then doing it repeatedly till it becomes just part of who you are. That's right. That's right. That repetition is key. And by the way, that one thing isn't going to be perfect at first. Yes. <laughs> yes. Know, uh, embrace the failure, but get up and do it again. Do it again and do it again. And if you need help, ask for it, but continue to do it and apply it as soon as you can. And don't be frustrated. This will be the last thing I say because we'll run out of time. But <laughs> but I, I we can just keep going because I'm, I'm I get excited about this kind of stuff. So I have such a, a great memory that is attached to this. So way back when when I was with Pivot Point, I remember so clearly it was my early days. And and the owner of Pivot Point, Leo Passage, he took me into a classroom, and there was a student he knew was in there. This was an advanced class for experienced hairdressers coming to Pivot Point from literally all over the world. And he's like, I'm going to introduce you to so and so. He's a gentleman who was in his sixties. And he's like, so-and-so, he's like, how many times have you come taken the class today? And what is this class? And, and why, are, why are you here? And he's like, oh, Leo, you know, he's like, I come every year for 20 years. And he said, the class is the perfect Bob. And he said, in 20 years, I've yet to perfect it. And, and Leo said, oh, he's really good, actually. <laughs> and he's like, yes, Leo, thank you. But I will never perfect it. And I accept that and I know that and I just keep coming back to be inspired and to do more and to do more. And I mean, what an inspiration that was, but also just a great understanding of technical work and how, yeah, you, you, maybe you never get there, but, but he was a really happy guy and proud guy who just kept coming back to get a little bit better each time. That's powerful. I love that story. That's a perfect example. Yeah, it really was. So, all right. So I have to say a very big thank you to our guest today, your Senior Director of Creative and Technical Education, one of the longer titles in the industry, <laughs> but a, big, a really big job at Floyd's 99 Barbershop. Patrick Butler, thank you so much for being here today and tell folks where they can follow you and, and where they can follow Floyd's. Absolutely. Instagram, PB Educator on Instagram and online, floydsbarbershop.com. And that's the website on and floydsbarbershop.com. And then on Instagram, where do people find you? Floyd's Barbershop. 
Okay, there you go. Easy peasy. Everybody follow Foy's, follow Patrick, um, all kinds of great stuff going on both of those. And um, yeah, thank you again to Patrick. If you, if you like what you heard today, I encourage you to leave a rating and a review, hit the subscribe button. And of course, best yet, share it with a colleague to pay it forward, help others to find the podcast. This has been the Mastering Beauty Podcast from Beautycast Network. And um, again, I'm Gordon Miller, and uh, I cannot wait to share more with you again next time. <laughs>